Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well out there right now. Hey everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope you're all okay. Martha. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have a special guest with us back for his second... Yeah, it is your second time round, isn't it, Dave? It is my second time round, yeah. So yes, welcome back. Obviously, we don't need to go through the three questions once again. So how's life, Dave? You've moved on to new podcasts since we've last had you on, haven't you? I believe. Uh, yeah, I think I was. I think I was still doing ADQ the last time I came on, which was what I think it was August September time. I'm sure it was. It could there. be. It was a long time. It, 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 it could have been long. six months ago. Could have been six years ago, <laughs> yeah. for all I can remember. <laughs> no, but do well, you know, like everybody else, just coping in lockdown, trying to keep everybody alive so you know (laughs) you know we're all like everybody else counting down the days but all good thanks thanks for having me on again super thank you so as you alluded to just we are here to discuss Zack Snyder's Justice League um our break from Nicolas Cage has ended up being a little bit longer than we expected we were supposed to be doing adaptation but what with this film taking over the entire multiverse we thought we should probably discuss this one so the year is 2011-ish when Zack Snyder was appointed to direct five films and build the DC universe. His fi- first film was going to introduce Superman. His second would bring the Trinity together. And then films three, four and five were going to be his Justice League trilogy. Fast forward five years, Man of Steel received mixed reviews. Batman versus Superman was mostly hated i think it's fair to say and justice league was completed without snyder at the helm either due to a family crisis or being forced out of the door by the the execs depending on which of the reports you were you choose to believe the justice league film which was delivered was universally panned it all but killed the dceu fuck you joss whedon (laughs) 2020 saw a worldwide pandemic and HBO launched their streaming service at the same time and in order to try and push subscriptions they announced they will be releasing the Snyder Cut they will be restoring Snyder's vision so here we are after what four years following on from the first go at this shit show what were the first things that jumped out to you on completion of the viewing now I know we've got quite a mixed shall we say uh, opinions of this film davis our guest do you want to kick us off and tell us what the first thing that sprang to your mind was like four hours and two minutes later i think at first i was just relieved that it was actually an okay film mm. i think that my, my joke throughout of it in the years of build it was like well what if it's shit again you know we had that <laughs> weed we had that weed and cut and the monstrosity that was and then you have all the hype from the Zack Snyder fans and the hype in the media generally about the Snyder cut, and you get drawn into the cinematog, you know, the cinematic trailer and the music. And you just think, oh, this could be amazing. But then what if it's terrible again? But I think when it finished, I just thought, you know what? It was an enjoyable watch. 
it wasn't terrible. It wasn't this amazing masterpiece that I think some fans will still try and make out. It was fine. I had no... Mm. I think there were, you know, like all films, there were still some issues with it, but even at four hours, I wasn't the I wasn't too drained by the time length. I was actually enjoying it. And I think that's the key for films. It kind of doesn't matter how long it goes on for, as long as you're enjoying it and you're not bothered by the time, then that's fine. But yeah, for me, it was... I like to call decent-ish. Yeah, I'm very much on the same plane of thought as you. Like, there's some stuff I really liked, some stuff I thought was crap. But on the whole, I generally enjoyed it. Like, it could have been an absolute shit show, and it could have ended up being a lot worse than the first go at it. But I felt like I came out at the end of it and thought, actually, for a four-hour film, I felt it went as quick as a four-hour film could go. Uh, So... Much like yourself, I was fine with it, I think is the best way to put it. Stu? I was just impressed that I only need one piss break at 37 years old. So (laughs) it was was a nice bonus. After uh, the beginning of part three as well, that was. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm a bit more enthusiastic considering how much I hated the rest of them going into Mm. it. And I've said on here many times that that, Man of Steel trailer was 10 times better than the actual film. Um, Batman v Superman itself was crap. And then the extended edition was okay. But I watched both of them and both Wonder Woman films before this. Um, just just to refresh my memory a bit. And I was actually incredibly surprised. Because everyone said to Dave on Twitter, no, it's not going to be shit. I had faith. <laughs> the fact that he had four hours to piss about and he had four hours to do exactly what he wanted. And fair play, that's what he did. And it, it was probably, even being hypercritical, it was probably 15 minutes too long because of all the stuff at the end. It could have ended bef- way before it did. Um, but I'm sure we'll get into that anyway. But yeah, at the end, I'll give you a tepid clap, which is m- much more than I'd give anything else in the DCEU. So yeah, <laughs> I was I was quietly impressed. Excellent. Matt, I think you're going to be the dissenting voice here. <laughs> well, my my initial my, my, my theme as I was running through is how much I enjoy Affleck as Batman. First of all, mm. and we'll probably come on to that when we deep dive a little more into the the individual performances. But my honest feeling as I was going through it was, you can put lipstick on a pig, might be a pretty pig, but it's still a pig, and that's how I've felt about the film in parts because. What do we expect from Schneider? We expect flamboyant. We expect overindulgence. We expect grandiose. And that's exactly what we got. And that's fantastic. But mix that with a subpar plot. Mix that with subpar script writing. And then add another two hours on top of it of the same subpar plot and the same subpar script writing. You just get an extended piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Um visually fantastic but i'm of the school of thought where i i don't mind something looking terrible if it has the plot and the characters and the story to guide it along this was the opposite for me it looked fantastic but it still had all the flaws of the original but it just looked nicer it it, it, it sorry Stu, it, it it makes the it it's more appealing for children than it should be for because it looks great do you know what I mean? That's just how I feel. Sorry. Does it 
did it look better than the original though? I, I mean, think, I've, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I've seen yeah, some. Yeah. I think you did. Other than the aspect ratio, the biggest change was the color palette on this one. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the stills from the Whedon version and the Snyder cut, you can see that Whedon had like turned up the contrast to fucking eleven. Like it was blinding how red Wonder Woman's course it was compared to this, where everything just kind of looked grey. Like, I, I just, I don't know, the whole thing looked great and it sort of felt great. It, it just felt very in the margins almost, maybe. Like, there just wasn't a lot of substance to any of the look of it, which I think sort of transposed itself onto the script a little bit, maybe. I don't think there was a lot of meat to any of it, but there was four hours worth of it. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've heard as well, they are going to now release the black and white version of the film mm. on HBO. If you, Justice is grey. Yeah, if you came into it with the option of watching the version you saw or the black and white version, would you have gone for the black and white version for the true of course Snyder would. appeal? No, but no, <laughs> you, no, for you as an audience member, though, would you have watched his colour palette version or would you have watched the black and white version to get more of his take? Honestly, I don't think it would have made any difference. Because I don't think the colour version is that colourful that it, it's almost black and white anyway. The only personally, yeah. the only one I've seen work like this was Logan. And we've talked. Have you seen it now? The black and white mm. version. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That worked perfectly. And actually, Fury Road wasn't too bad either. But mm-hmm. it was clearly made as a colour film, and then it's been altered later. So even watching the trailer for the colour the grey edition it doesn't look great because it's clearly been shot with film with color in mind and it doesn't really work for me so i wouldn't watch it i mean i, I had no real problem in that first film was a farce <laughs> it, it was it was avengified that's exactly what it, what happened to me and that's not mm. what this universe has been about it's been about doom and gloom and sorrow for the whole thing <laughs> and to try and make it funny is why one of the reasons the first one failed so much, and to make it somber again, kind of worked. And as much as Whedon is obviously to blame for that first one, I'm still a lot more in thinking that there's probably more studio pressure to try and revert Snyder's original version than Whedon trying to undo Snyder's version. If that makes sense, I think they just yeah. did it and thought, like Andy used at the start, Batman Superman was not well received critically. We've now given him this to the film, but hang on, we've got an opportunity to perhaps undo it. And hang on, we've got there's this guy here who did the Avengers. He did that really well. That was well received. Let's bring it in and just say, just try and make this into a hmm. make this more like an Avengers film so we can get the, the critical acclaim. And that just when you try and jar that with a Frankenstein's monster of a film with the Snyder version, it was just it was awful. Hmm. What I thought was quite interesting is why why would you pick Joss Whedon? He did an admirable job with the first Avengers film. Like, that, that's decent. But the second Avengers film was an absolute abortion of a movie. It was awful. And he then got kicked out by Marvel. So why did Warner Brothers think, let's get him in to do the job on this film? I thought that was a really bizarre choice. It wasn't then, though, was it? I'm, I'm sure I read one where it was Snyder's choice to have him there. I think it was very much Snyder's choice with a gun to his back from the <laughs> studio. In in the same way that he left the film because of a personal tragedy, as opposed to the studio wanted shot of him. But, I mean, uh, speculation, obviously, but it 
did seem quite forced. It I mean, just seemed like it was a really bad choice. The Chris Wilder effect, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so who was the uh, who was the John Fleck in this film? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, go on, go oh, sorry, on, Matt, carry on. on. No, no, no. I just, just, I don't want it to be coming across that I hated absolutely everything about his film. So, I want to kickstart by saying, like, runtime wise, I never felt at any point during the film, I wasn't watch checking the whole way through. I yeah. think, like, it flowed, it flowed really nicely. The pacing of it, like, that was absolutely fine. And I don't want anybody to think that I was bored whilst watching it. Now I can start my critique. No, I just, like, you know, there were there are there were plenty of things I, like I really enjoyed about it, and like I say, Affleck's performance I really really enjoyed. Um, so I, anything involving Cyborg I thought was fantastic. Um, for the well for, for the majority um mm. of the film, um, I do question why Aquaman was there at all, other than to get his shirt off. <laughs> like maybe I'm not sure. <laughs> Or to get his jumper sniffed as well. Yeah. That was so bizarre. I was like, what is this? Yeah, they they could have cut that out. It made no sense, did it, that scene? At all. And it's one of those, I was watching it, waiting for something to happen. Like, come on, something. And then she just sniffs it and carries on singing. Like, come on, give me something. And it was nothing. He's just fucked off into the water. (laughs) It was weird. Very, very strange that was. So, I mean, that actually leads me on to something that I was going to mention. There's no way that this film would have been released even if Snyder hadn't have been moved on. There's no way that we would have got a four-hour film. It is not a a viable cinematic release at all. But I do think there is a three-hour film in there. I do think you could have taken shit out like the Icelandic singing, all of the slow-mo scenes. I mean, I, I sort of get the ones we flash, they make a bit of sense, but there were so many other little bits where they just stretched it out for no real reason. I kind of liked how they had, had their own like their own signature slow-mo to kind of moody music sections. I kind of liked that bit. I don't know why. but It, it felt very much like uh, we were watching a music video, yeah, yeah. I which gonna... I know that's Zack Snyder's history is in making music videos. Yeah. It wasn't for me I at did, all, that bit, I, stuff I, like that. I just liked it because they all had one. And it was all, it was kind of an introduction to idiots who watch this without watching the others. And there was a few. Um, probably the other halves of people who've been forced to watch it on now TV on a terrible <laughs> 480 stream, who, uh, in Matt's case. Thank goodness, yeah, thank goodness for that seven-day free trial pass. Because as yeah, soon as sure. I watched that film, thank you, Canceled. now TV, yeah. you're gone. Um, but I was I, I was quite taken aback about how much unseen footage compared to the first film there was. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there was a lot of reshoots from what I've been reading. I, I thought I was going to go into it thinking, right, I've seen this bit, I've seen this bit. And I was actually quite surprised about how much I thought, oh, hang on, this is like, it did, at times, I think this is probably why I still enjoyed it. It did feel like a new film when I was mm. watching it. It didn't feel too much I was just watching the Whedon version, but maybe with a 10-minute extra scene that you can tell is brand new. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think that's why in some ways it did work in that on that side. I, I realised not long after the film started, I remember fuck all about the Whedon <laughs> version. Like, I've scrubbed pretty much all of it from my memory. So it, most of this film felt fairly fresh and new. 
which is quite a feat for a film that we have all seen before. So I thought that was quite impressive. Yeah, I've I've I watched it once. I own it. I'll never watch it again. I don't even know why I own it. It's fucking terrible. But it's, it maybe it was one of them things where like I gave suicide silly me giving Suicide Squad another chance because it was a fourteen minute extra, and now I can categorically say I'm never watching that film ever again. Um, and no amount of editing would make that polish it any worse or better. Um, but yeah, it's the same. There was parts that it was almost like watching a watching match of the day when you come back from the pub and you have to watch it on the Sunday morning because you can't remember anything. But then the, <laughs> it gets a certain certain part. You think, oh yeah, I can't remember that, but I don't know why. Like the bit in the um, in the chamber with the um, with Flash when um, when the, that was changed, yeah, um, for the better as well. There was a lot of things like that Definitely. which were changed for the better, like Affleck and. Um, you know, Batfleck and Wonder Woman's kind of pseudo-nonsense romance that was thrown in the last one that wasn't in this at all. I mean, that the, there was one bit where they sort of flirted a little yeah, bit, yeah. but they didn't dive into it. I mean, that's fan service from the Justice League Unlimited animated series from way back when. But th- there were bits like that which they removed, which I do think helped. There was the bit where Flash trips up and, like, face plants into Gal Gadot's breasts yeah. in yeah. the the Whedon version, which they just removed that. The um, booyah scene with Cyborg, which I know that's his catchphrase, but it felt very out of place. And it was all those those bits where Whedon just felt like he was crowbarring in humour for the sake of it. And I was watching a side-by-side comparison of uh, Snyder and Whedon's versions earlier, and you could see the reshoots in, in Whedon's version. You could see that Affleck looked older because I know he had um, he was dealing with alcoholism between the first from the initial shoot and when they did the reshoots on the um, the Whedon version. You could see he looked different. Momoa looked almost completely different in one scene to the next, and I hadn't noticed it when I was watching the film first time. But when you're actually able to look back at it, you said it earlier, Dave. A Frankenstein, and that's exactly what it was when you was watching it. Not even to mention the awful CGI on Cavill's top lip. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I thought um, Matt, you made a good point just about Aquaman because it it did feel like that the Weeding version. It, Aquaman does seem to have a bit more of a prominent role in that film, whereas this one he does seem to be a bit of a a side character. Whereas actually, one of the benefits of this film is Cyborg gets a proper origin mm. story and explanation of what he does even the flash gets a bit more to him and understanding his world and what he does whereas aquaman's are a bit like he's kind of just thrown in there and just, just deal with it i almost feel like it, it, it's a conscious effort because jason momo is no longer flavor of the week in hollywood i mean is it you know what i mean like what what, what has he done of note recently that i can think of off the top of my head you know what I mean? There was mm. where, there was very much one point where he was the next Dwayne the Rock Johnson in terms of that. Um, where some most is he Samoan? I should presumably he's Samoan. Um, kind of bulky hunk, chunk of hunk, and mm. he's never really kind of got that much further with that. Um, and I think, and I mean, I mentioned earlier about how much I enjoyed Affleck's scenes. The issue is there was there was. I think Batman was absolutely bastardized in this film. 
and I t- and I took it as a personal insult. And what I mean by that is, <laughs> I've always preferred my Batman staying out of the realms of the supernatural. I prefer him to be dealing with the very real, far fetch, fine, but the very real. Do you know what I mean? Even like mm. Scarecrow is is the result of chemicals. It's not voodoo. Do you know what I mean? Or at least in the versions I enjoy in kind of the Arkham series on, on, on computer games wise. And Batman was very much reduced to a, uh, a like a like a caricature of a superhero. Yeah. He, like, yeah, yeah. They make the joke, the fact that he's got no powers. And that's fine. It's a joke. I'm rich. That's my superpower. That's fine. But he basically gets beaten up and, and has to be saved by the other guys far more than the, any anything that he adds apart from the, the Nightcrawler punching its way through a tunnel or something like that. I just, I, I just feel that f- for, for the person that's assembled this super team, you'd think he'd have a bit more of an input. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like the original cut, he was a lot more uh, central to the plot. I know it was a long time ago since I watched it, but it just, it just felt a shame for me that Batman really was relegated to a, a, a B team player in this movie. Out of all the other mm. Batmans in previous films, it felt more like a cartoon version of Batman. He felt like the, the, I don't know, all the other Batmen, as it were, have felt a lot more, what I would class as Batman, more brooding and serious. Even the new one with Patterson in the trailer, very dark. Mm. I think the only thing about this film that got me for Affleck is his over-the-top love for Superman constantly. Like, I get that <laughs> Superman changed him, but there was this sense of every other line was, we've got to do it for him, he's our hero, we're going to do it for him. I was like, That's, that doesn't feel like Batman, though, still, when I'm watching here. Where's the kind of the, the broodiness that we were used to so much? But again, One Dave, liked... Martha, it'll change anyone. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I really liked was kind of Batman's um, win at all costs attitude. I thought it was really, I thought yeah. that actually came across really well. Like when there's the argument about should they, um, should they resurrect Superman in the first place? And Momo is, or Aquaman is like, mm, I'm not sure about this. Batman's like, no, do it, do it. And he's like, it, it's, it's a win at all costs. And I and I thought it shows the actual human frailty of yeah. Batman. And I thought they did that actually came across really well. It's just a shame that, you know, the entire plot or the entire film pretty much could have happened if, if he wasn't there. The same as Aquaman, really. Like, there's very little that those two added for me. Um, it's a shame. Do you think that, Aquaman and Batman were underserved, or do you just think that characters like Flash and Cyborg were maybe they were given a lot more this time, which makes Aquaman and Batman look marginalised? So, for I don't think you had any more or any less Aquaman in this film than you did in the original. Mm-hmm. But when you look at that compared to Cyborg, whose story has increased tenfold, for mm-hmm. example. I don't think it's that Aquaman's been pushed to the side. I think his story is very much what it is. And a lot of the heavy lifting on his story has already been done because we've seen the Aquaman movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas we haven't had that with Cyborg or Flash yet. We don't we don't really know anything about them unless you're a geek and watch all that stuff. But now we do. We've had their origin stories told for, for the most. Obviously, there's still a bit more to come with Flash. When we get to Flashpoint, I think we'll see more of his world. But I think it was a super serving of Cyborg made everyone else feel like passengers, maybe. It felt very much like it was a Ray Fisher film. He was the central focus of the movie and everyone else was around him, I thought. It was almost mm. to put a film within a film, hadn't they, with Cyborg? They'd put the mm. entire Cyborg film within that film so they could give him a lot more 
kind of clout into how central he was to the Snyder version. Because you look at that version compared to the Weeden version, now you kind of thought with the Weeden version, what was Cyborg really there for, apart from being just their version of Iron Man? Whereas this version, you actually see why he's central into that team. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he was very much he was very much a tokenistic gesture in the original film. And I think the fact that Ray Fisher spoke about on-set bullying and, and all that stuff, for him now to be pushed front and centre, I wonder if that was a conscious effort by Snyder to bring him into the fold and give him that extra, knowing that he'll piss off Whedon and the studios who haven't backed their stars. So part of me did wonder, I wonder if that was always the intention for Cyborg or if that's just a, a middle finger to everybody else from Snyder, which from what we've heard of Snyder, he's very much a right-on kind of dude, so I would imagine he would be 100% behind his actors in those situations. Yeah, But I, I did like what they did with Cyborg generally. I thought oh, that yeah. was much improved. We said at the time, didn't we, Andy, that we, it could have easily been a Cyborg movie on its own with Flash being a cameo. And then, yeah, and not having a massive four-hour marathon film like this, and we'll probably go on to that point why why it had to be four hours and not done the Avengers way and give characters a proper start and then bring mm. them together because I think that ending as well was like okay, when I'm not going to get the chance again, I'm just going to throw it all in now. <laughs> this is what you could have won. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? it? It was very much a, this could be the last thing you'll see of my work. So here is what would have been coming next if you'd have stuck with me. Yeah. And what, did, what did we think of the epilogue? So we had we had the change in the Lex Luthor. So Luthor tells Deathstroke, Batman is Bruce Wayne. In the original cut, he just said we need to make a league of our own which was a bit wishy-washy. So that was one epilogue. The next one was Bruce Wayne coming face-to-face with the Martian Manhunter, which I thought was a waste of time, but it's another story. And then you had the epilogue, which was the nightmare sequence. Did any of those sequences whet your appetite for more Snyder-verse films? I mean, we'd already had John Jones turn up earlier on, and that would have been a, a little nod, and that's all we needed. We didn't need him back again afterwards. So that like, I just didn't see the said, point. It was a, that was a complete waste of time. The nightmare—I didn't like the nightmare scene the first time round <laughs> in any of them. So it's yeah. kind of but seeing Jared Leto's Joker and hear Batman swear was nice, I suppose. But <laughs> again, no real need. Um, but again, if it, if that goes to if that gets mentioned in Flashpoint and it, it's relevant, then then fine. But at this moment in time, well, it's not, is it canon? Is it not canon? Um, nah, it could have, if it ended on the boat, it would have been fine for me. And mm. everything, everything after that was a waste of time. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the Martian Manhunter, well, I, I, again, I'm not as invested in this world. So when this character came, I was a bit like, oh, right. Okay. That guy was actually this other guy all along. But I understand <laughs> that pops from a, a DC fan point of view. That was a, probably a, a big moment. And perhaps seizing that could be a, a future thing. The nightmare sequence I actually quite enjoyed to the point where I think this is where DC can come into its own in this in these films rather than trying to set up universes. Because let's be honest, Marvel have got it down. They own that space now. They've got it down to a T. It's going to take something something else from a studio of any genre to build something like Marvel have been able to do and continue to do. 
So DC's advantage now is to try and be the anti of that and make standalone films or standalone mini pocket kind of two or three films and then start all over again. So a nightmare world where you've got kind of like a Mad Max style Batman and a, a clan of people against evil Superman. Actually, and then he has to team up with the Joker. They have to be allies for a lot of the films, so maybe the Joker double-crosses him a few times. He's mm. actually a intriguing film to me because it's quite a set standalone film, and it can just be one film. You don't have to do more sequels. Just let's explore what a film would be like if he, Superman was evil, and the, and he was like ter- terrorizing the world. That's the only thing that came out of that. I thought if they made that, I'd, I'd probably still go see that. Well, I think mm. that that's why that's why I didn't like it because we know it's not going to be made. And it was just showing off. Ooh. Is or is it though, Stu? Or is it? <laughs> At the end of the day, this is all still very clever from Schneider to put all these bits out there to say to people, "Well, this is what you can have." Like you said, Andy, if you stayed around, <laughs> and I guarantee you, there will be enough pressure after this for Warner Bros to go, "Oh, Zach, do you want to uh, do you want to do another one? Let's just give it a go again. See how you, see how you get on." It wouldn't surprise me if we get another film in this universe. It very much was Bowen bringing out the speedboat and then putting it back again. Do you know what I mean? It was, I mean, I I really enjoyed the the nightmare sequence. And I think that, I don't think Leto has had a very fair rub of the green with Joker either. No. Um, And I think that I didn't even think the small elements that we had the first time round were terrible. And he he had probably the hardest, one of the hardest um, follow up jobs on his hands, yeah. you know, of any of them so far to to play Joker, you know, in the first place. And the the, the muted down version in the nightmare sequence, I I enjoyed tremendously. And Dave, to your point, I think you know that interaction between Batman and Joker. He's absolutely fascinating. That yeah. can that can be a film on its own. Like we yeah. don't need we don't need all the bells and whistles of everything else. Give us something stripped back. That's what we Christ. That's all we want. He's, yeah. he's like he's, he's a strong Batman with a strong villain. That's all I want anyway. We've never <laughs> we've never seen that in a film, have we? As well, we've not seen that an actual. What would that be like if they teamed up? Mm. It was like a, a you know they, they hated each other, but they had to do it for some reason. That, that that interaction, that what two three minute interaction, was probably one of my best favorite moments of the whole film. Yeah, I really <clears> enjoyed <throat> it. I, I think now this is a difficult one for me because I, I, I at no point of I will I ever say that I'm an expert with with DC or anything like that. And so I understand what a lot of what is going on is for the um, is for the more experienced viewer, but it just felt like there was a lot of this fan service throughout the film that to the casual viewer like me just made like zero sense. Like I didn't mm. really like understand what was going on with it. And that's fine. Like I listen, I know, but, but these films aren't made, these films aren't made as indie films that are to be enjoyed by only a few people. They are made to be enjoyed by the world. So don't make them so specific. Don't make them so difficult for the casual viewer to be turned off by them. Is I think is my point. And, and the issue is if you've got four hours to play with, to your point earlier about not getting Aquaman put across or not getting enough of Batman put across, you've got four hours to play with. If you don't, if you can't do it in that time, don't attempt it. You've got four <laughs> hours, four hours. Do you know like how much content you can fit in four hours? If, if your points can't get put across in four hours, they shouldn't be made in the first place. And I've just, it, it felt like a lot of self-indulgence. What was your, to your phrase? 
all shit, no fart, or something like that. All fart, no shit. <laughs> the... All fart, no shit. Yeah, exactly. So you, you mean you, you didn't enjoy the uh, Steppenwolf's intergalactic bellend kind of role that he had in this? He was he was more like <laughs> he was more like Goldar from Power Rangers in this. How incompetent he was. When he was yeah, like, he might as well just go yes, sire and stuff like that. When he when Darkseid come up in the little hologram pocket, whatever it was. And mm-hmm. in the original, he did look, I mean, he was crap, but at least he, he kind of was more menacing then. In this one, he was he was kind of foolish. His, his voice in the Weeder version, in fairness, I thought was better yeah. than this version. It was a lot mm. more kind of... T- a couple of things with Stefan. Firstly, did anyone else think that once he took off all that armour, he actually looked like a little puppy? His face looked <laughs> quite cute. <laughs> <laughs> dog eyes. I was like, why is he scared of that? The one thing, one of the flaws of the the film for me was when Steppenwolf realizes that Earth has got this anti-life equation, and he tells Dark um, Darkseid, "How does Darkseid not realize that that's where it was? How has he forgotten that Earth has got this equation? I know he's called Cadavers of Worlds, but surely you go, but yeah, that was that one place that they defeated him. And wouldn't you not?" Specifically, remember that one place. Yeah, of course you would. That yeah, that that's the the one planet that has managed to stand up against him. He would quarantine it or yeah. something in order knowing that it will be there. So I didn't understand that. And even as someone who is steeped in the law of the DC universe, it just didn't make sense. And I wanted to ask you all a question. Obviously, I've read all the books and everything. Did Superman put in on the black suit? Do you know why he put that on? Does it make any sense to you as a casual viewer why he did that, other than it looked a bit cool? <laughs> no, it means nothing to me. To be no, honest with you, it means no. nothing to me. I don't understand. Yeah. No, I didn't think it would. Because in, in the books, it was basically when he died, he didn't die, he oh. went into a, into a Kryptonian <laughs> coma. He put on a black suit because it absorbs more sun rays, which means he can get stronger quicker make sense in the world of the comic books in the film it literally was just the fact that he's going through an emo phase (laughs) like that doesn't make any sense tell us why or show us why you're doing these things i i thought that was really poor and i don't think the black suit really looked that cool if i'm perfectly honest if i'm being brutally honest with it all it was just okay well that that shows how well he didn't work because I, i thought it was kind of like well, I suppose it is what you said. Like the um, a former Cage fighting episode when we talked about the uh, the cancel Superman film, and it, the regeneration mm. suit was black. So yeah, is that the same thing? Yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, well, they, they... But you wouldn't know that unless you had yeah. read the books and you knew that. So, like Matt said, you can't you can't expect people to know all these things going in there you're making a film for the wider audience and this didn't feel like that. This felt like it was a film pitched specifically at me with decades worth of reading these comic books, which I don't that's, think is a great look, to be perfectly honest. That's been the problem for this whole thing, though, because, I mean, even Man of Steel, if you go, if you got casual people who watched the, the Donna Superman films going into Man of Steel, what the fuck is this mm. alien sci-fi bollocks going on? This, <laughs> there's none of that in... in there's no glowing lycra suits. And there was no weird flying bat things. And then you're going into that. And I mean, even me at the time when I watched it, I thought, well, what is this? What's this about? Because I've, <laughs> I obviously know more than the average bear. But 
even it is right. Matt is spot on that it's it's been a whole thing of it's been fan service for a, a decade, and that's all this this is, and that's probably why it's not as well loved as the Marvel films, just because it's hmm. it knows its audience and it's not going to bend a knee for anything else. Yeah, Marvel, yeah, Marvel's got such a captive audience now that they don't need to try and make a film for the casual audience anymore, do they? They're so integrated integrated with all these films they've got, they can just put up whatever film, as long as it's semi-decent, the fans who have been brought up with Marvel will love it. Where yeah, I mean, I think Marvel, they they don't even appeal to comic book readers anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I've seen people on Twitter who are fans of the Marvel films and yeah. they, you know, they've never read a comic book in their life. They've very much made their own niche in the world now and, like... All powers to them. It doesn't work for me because it's it's the same film twenty eight times, however many films there's been. Twenty three. But I mean, I find that a little bit dull once I got up to maybe the fifth or sixth one. Yeah. Whereas I do think, at least with the DC EU films that we have had so far, they're all different flavors. They all feel quite unique. Whether they've ended up being a shit show or not, they're all different. They they all feel like it's a director's vision. Whereas Marvel always just feels like it's Kevin Feige's vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter who's actually directing the film. They're all basically the same. I mean, saying that... that yeah, I was going to say, saying, that, saying that the director's vision thing, I mean, then we all kind of agree about Wonder Woman being the best one out of all of them, film-wise. Yeah. And she seemed more like that film version of Wonder Woman than a separate thing altogether, like the original cut was. So, in a Fair play to him for that because he was. I mean, we don't. We, well, we don't know, do we? We don't know what he would have done with her. But she worked a lot better in this than she did in the original. And it was definitely it was close yeah. to the film, and it was close. She wasn't really in Batman v Superman, really, was she? But yeah, that's that's one of the plus points as well that I liked a lot about this. That it felt more connected rather than the opposite. I felt with the original interpretation of Wonder Woman in. Whedon's version, she was very much the sex appeal eye candy. Whereas in this one, she was just a badass woman. Yeah. Like, I think that is the, the difference between who Patty Jenkins wants you to think Wonder Woman is. Yes, she's a beautiful actress, but she's so much more than that. Whereas Whedon never explored anything further than she's got boobs, look at her. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a bit pathetic and childish. And I, you could see that with the way that they had Flash reacting to her. And I know Flash showed that he kind of fancied her in this film. But in the Whedon version, it was almost like he was a sex pest to her. (laughs) It it, it crossed the line almost, which from what we've heard about Whedon is kind of understandable from what we've seen. So maybe. She was a lot more empowering, I felt, in this version. There was a scene at the start with the, 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 the bank heist thing at the start when she says to that little girl, you can be whoever you want to be. I think it was new. And there was a bit when mm. she's fighting Steppenwolf and she says something like, I don't belong to anyone. They were just subtle enough that it just didn't feel cringy when you saw that bit. It just felt like, like Stu said, it was the Wonder Woman version from her standalone film. And she was her own person. She could kick anybody's ass. Mm, it was very, yeah. There was very little helplessness from Wonder Woman in this film. She didn't need to be saved by anybody. She stood toe-to-toe with Spider-Man on... Uh, Spider-Man, Superman on occasion... It felt very much like, actually, she was probably the only one out of anybody that would that stood a chance 
against these super beings. Uh, and I think she came, you know, she came across fantastically well in the film. Listen, I, I think the world is a better place for this version of Justice League. <laughs> I want to put that out there now. I think this is a better, this is a better version than, than what we've got. It's great that we've been able to have the chance to explore certain elements the way that we have. I just feel that um, for all the hype that's come out about uh, out about it, I'd, maybe maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe the hype about it has has built the expectations up just too much because I was re- expecting the reinvention of the wheel when mm. actually we, the wheel has just had a lick of paint. I think that's a very good point because part of me thinks if this was the film that was released in two thousand and seventeen. I don't think it would have been particularly well received. I think it would have been a fairly similar sort of reaction. Like the the whole dark and broody Zack Snyder world had been rejected in the uh, Batman versus Superman film. And this is just doubling down on that. Mm-hmm. And almost literally when you think about the runtime. So if they'd have just served this in 2017, I do think the fans would have rallied against it and said, it's just more dark shit. We want something else. So I don't think, I think this is only good because of what we've been given. It's better than that, mm-hmm. but I don't think that makes it a good movie per se. Do you think some of it though is like, and you mentioned about if it come out, this version came out in 2017, perhaps it still wouldn't have been well received. Do you think part of that is because of the success of Marvel's world and then people looking at it and saying, well, DC are just trying to do, your own universe. Dare I say, I was listening to a, a, another film podcast at the start of the week, which was looking at this film, and they broached the question of, if the Marvel Cinematic Universe never came out, never existed, and this universe came out, what would the reaction have been to these three films? Would they have been a lot better? Because people don't know anything before then? Or would it have been exactly the same that people going, oh no, this is just, this has been a bit of a Frankenstein again, it hasn't been well put together? It's a good thought experiment, actually, if this was the preeminent comic book universe. Um, I don't know, because I, I remember like some of the old Batman films, they did hint at other characters and a wider world out there, but they never went through on any of it. And people had always wanted these massive crossovers, and there was talk of Justice League prior, and it was literally going to be starting with the Justice League. So the appetite has always been there, but if you serve someone a shit film, I don't think that's enough to sort of force it down you. Like, I I don't know. The only answer is I just genuinely don't know. Yeah, it's almost like um, like we had Ghost Rider before the MCU, and that is still shit. (laughs) And it was shit then. So, the second one. The first one wasn't too bad. Um, But the second one has always been shit, and it always will be. And that was before we've got what we have now. So I don't know. I think Andy's right. I think it would have been the same. It's just it's just DC being darker and Marvel being lighter. I think it's just on brand. So people wouldn't have known any better, but I don't think they would have changed their view on how dark it is. I think Warner Brothers really have just fucked the whole thing. <laughs> like from from day one, that their plan was to just try and get everything done within. So what it started, I think the first Superman film was that two thousand and twelve. 
So they wanted what Marvel had built across almost a decade within five years and three films was their aim. And with the best will in the world, that is far too much to try and get yeah, done. Yeah. And even, even and, um, sorry, even um, Batman Superman was actually a reaction to Civil War coming out. Mm. I read somewhere that's the only reason why they put that version together because a lot of crap we need to rival this other massive superhero team. Yeah, and I feel that Zack Snyder is a bit of a strange cat to choose, to be perfectly honest, to do that that universe building role. I know that Christopher Nolan had said that he was done with that world after Batman, but at the same time, he probably would have been the perfect person to build everything. I think he would have been the the right person to be the Warner Brothers version of Kevin Feige. I don't think that's Zack Snyder. Because I think when you look at Snyder's other work, if you take Dawn of the Dead away, everything else is a bit shit. Like, he hasn't got a lot of substance to him. Everything, as Matt said earlier, everything is visually sumptuous, but there's just no actual substance to any of it. Sucker Punch is one of the worst, most just drivel that film is. But when you look at Dawn of the Dead, he's working with a James Gunn script, if I remember correctly. So he's working with a strong source material, and it works perfectly. And sort of the same with Watchmen. There is a strong... um, that there's a strong book behind it. So he's only just having to adapt what's already there. When it's on his shoulders, he hasn't really delivered us much much worthiness, to be perfectly honest. I, I think what's really difficult is, and, and this is a kind of an extension of Dave's point, is that we've already had the film version of the 2011 Barcelona team in Infinity War, and this may be the 1999 Manchester United, but it's not the, ele- the the 2011 Barcelona team. Do you know what I mean? We've already had the, the best thing we're going to see in Infinity War in terms of a crossover, in terms of these massive, all these characters coming together and it being a fantastic film. That no matter what happens afterwards, it's always a will pale in comparison because we've already re- achieved perfection. We are ch- These films are chasing their tails from the start. And then when they want to be these films to begin with, when they want to be humorous, they want to, you know, they want to casualize it as much as possible and make it and, and try and, and this is what I mean when, when I mean earlier, where it's, it, it's so strange that they're trying to be so niche by having all these things like the, like the Martian Manhunter and that nobody knows half from people. And, but then they also try and be super casual as well and have it funny and have it, that it's a film that you take your missus to go see and, and that kind of thing. It just strikes a weird balance of I'm not sure that I'm not sure that this film knows where its priority lies, and maybe that's because in four hours of, of runtime, how are you meant to focus on one like one style in four hours? There's too much time to play with. It oh. should have been in two halves, if anything. Yeah, I think I think that's probably what it. If it would have been in the cinema, it would have been it would have been two two three hour films. Like Andy said, you could let's, have put. Let's definitely hallows this mother. <laughs> I will. I will I'll save your ass right now, Matt, because he said people don't. No one knows Martian Manhunter, and friend of the show Tara is the Martian Manhunter biggest fan. So she'll she'll come at you if we don't say it now. So yes, so some people do know who he is, and some people were very excited when he turned up on screen. But yeah, I, I only know him from the Arrowverse. I, I would have had no clue if I hadn't watched that for the last eight years. So yeah, I think that that is a semi-valid point. 
Apparently, the end, uh, the epilogue sequence with the Martian Manhunter, that was originally going to be with a Green Lantern. And I think they actually shot it with a Green Lantern and then WB told them you can't use that for some reason because then that was going to spin out into all of the other Green Lantern stuff that they were going to do. But don't know if they're doing it now. And like it seems to change on a daily basis what films are actually coming next in the DCEU. Because I was going to ask you a question about the what's known as the fourth world. So um, Apocalypse and the fourth world are this other world on the other side of the universe and you have um dark side and you've got the all father and they're the two people who rule their world and that is they're going to be a film created by ava duvernay is the future of the dceu linked to this film do we think or is that movie and everything else going to be a fresh look a fresh start would you consider this film canon if you were the studios, it's been a relative success, I'd say, this version of it. Do you just hold on hope and maybe think we can run with this and go somewhere? Or do you just draw a line under it now and say, right, that's done, on to the next? If it was me, I'd say just forget 2017 ever happened and just just keep this as it is. There's building blocks there at the end that can they be expanded on. Um, like you just said, every apart from Goldie, who doesn't mind the 2017 one, um, vast majority of people don't like it. So, but we know it's not going to happen. We know that how stubborn they are, and they'll just fuck it all up again. And I think <laughs> I'm sure I read something saying that yeah, we consider the original canon, and this is an Elseworlds tale and stuff like that. And well, if it is, and we're having Flashpoint, then we it can be, and we can have it. Yeah. I mean, hey, just give you give HBO the license. Let us play our little our own games and watch it on HBO where it's better. We can watch it at home and not have children around in cinemas. <laughs> um, if that's a way to go, then that's kind of a unique way to go. If you, if this was kept on HBO and we had a four hour film every three years of uh, in black and white in maybe three point three next time, and. Who knows? Keep the keep the cinematic universe in the cinema and keep this on HBO. That that will work for everyone else, but I don't think it'll happen. Mm. Dave, would you build on the small success we've had here, or would you just cut your losses and run at this stage? I think I think a lot of it just depends on what the the continued reaction to it will be. It's whether do they want to try and dip their water in, but people have received this genuinely fair and well do we like I say for do we give Zack Snyder another crack of the whip and give him another chance to do a film to see whether that's still as well received and if, if not then we just cut losses but I think I, I do agree with you I think you've almost got to treat this Snyder cut as like the last last bit of this now and just start over again and almost like I said before just keep making these little standalone films that's how you're going to Marvel, rival Marvel. That's how you're gonna like. Mm. You know how you mentioned Mar- um, Andy about all Marvel films do being the same, and I I totally get where you're coming from on that one. So why not DC appeal to the other side and make these standalone films? That you know, Joker as a standalone film is great. Don't need to make any sequels to it. Just leave it as it is. Great film, Suicide Squad that's coming out. I'm hoping will be a good film. But again, let that just be its own film. 
Um, you know, they're, they're making JJ Abrams as the new, new Superman, isn't he? Um, we, mm. Is it Michael B. Jordan's rumour to be? That's the rumour, yeah. If that is, maybe let them do a couple of films. It doesn't have to be connected to anything. Just let them do a couple, and then let that be its own thing. I think with this dark side one, just let it just let it be a, a sci-fi epic god versus god film, and let it just be mm. that. Yeah, I mean, like obviously, whenever you go into a comic book shop, if you if you're not versed on the whole universes around it, you could walk into a comic book shop and you can see four or five different Batman titles, all written and drawn by different writers and different artists. And maybe they could just treat the movie universe the same thing, that there are several different versions of Batman out there. That would make sense. Mm. You get the same Robert Pattinson, sorry. sorry. I was going to say, you get Robert Pattinson as well as Batman. Let him do a couple of films. He's done. Yeah. Matt, you're probably the most outsider-ish of this genre. Do you have any desire to see more of this? I, well, yeah, because this universe, you know, it has the potential to be absolutely fascinating. Just do it better. Just do it better. <laughs> Simple as that. Do yeah. it better, please. <laughs> That's all I want to know. You know, you've 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 got you've got absolute fried gold on your hands in 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 characters that. Are fantastic and magical, and you've got technology has never been better at the moment to, to get special, you know, visual effects. And you know, you have the world's brightest minds can work on film. Just, just, just fucking make it better. <laughs> Simple as that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind. I don't mind like this being canon for further films going along. But you know, if we want to see a space epic, let's make it a space epic. Then let's not let you know. But th- things can be separate. Things don't have to mingle in. We don't have to have a post-credit scene at the end of every film that ties everything together really neatly. And, you know, we don't have to insult the viewer. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, mm. it can be canon, but it doesn't have to, like, hold its hand, if that makes any sense. I just think that, like, these things, you know, these things can be so fascinating. They could just be done better. <laughs> it's the simplest <laughs> way to put it. I want to see that at the uh, Warner Brothers pitch meeting, sorry, where he just goes, that, but better. <laughs> but work harder work harder work smarter not harder in fact that's actually that's my point for justice league work smarter not harder i.e make it better not longer hmm. would be would be my um would be my takeaway from it the longer the better in every sense of the world um <laughs> But oh yeah, there's the clip again. Um, <laughs> I until you said that, Dave, I'd never thought about that. When you said it, you called it a sci-fi series, and that's kind of what this is. It's not a comic book anymore. To to normal people, this isn't a comic book series. It's a sci-fi mm-hmm. epic. It's all it's all more as much of a sci-fi epic, eh, sci-fi epic, as the um, the MonsterVerse, Godzilla and King Kong, and Mothra and all them lot in their in their little playground. It's a, it's got as much to do with anything else as that film that that is it quadrilogy name. Um, when the next one comes out, so you could. Like you've all said you can have small universe, you can have big universe, but if this is treated as a sci-fi universe, I think that works without for everyone. I'd never even thought about it like that before. Mm. That makes sense. Um, I think there's another conversation to be had about the fan culture around this film. I kind of appreciate that the fans wanted a 
uh, you know, the, the Snyder Cut, they petitioned for it. They had signatures, like, I think it was 180,000 signatures. And they finally got what they wanted, which I kind of think, well, good for you. But at the same time, is there a more toxic fan base than these Snyder Cut virgins? <laughs> I mean, seeing the reaction to some of these fucking losers have had to people's opinions online is absolutely disgraceful. Like a few film critics who've come out and said they didn't enjoy the film and they have been hounded and bullied in the name of a person who lost a loved one due to depression and they are bullying people. I just find it absolutely astounding what's been going on with this fan base. I I can't I can't marry it up in my head that they wanted something and they they wanted something positive. And in order to do that, they have been the most detrimental force to cinema going ever. I mean, the studios have even come out and said that they want nothing to do with that movement. And this film wasn't a reaction to them. They've tried to distance themselves from it. Like, is this the future of cinema discourse where it's just going to be people being cunty online to each other? I think it's just people Ooh. being cunty online, full stop. I think that's it. We, <laughs> yeah, I think you've got it as you're in football, you've got it in politics, you've got it in films, you'll have it in music next, if music still happened. It's just the platforms have got their problems and they need to sort this out because none of this shit had happened if they govern themselves properly. And you have to have an online tag and you put your passport, you put your national insurance number, wherever it has to be. Say, this is who you are. If you behave like a twat, then you're going to get banned and you're going to get properly prosecuted. If you're racist or sexist or you do anything to offend anyone or hurt someone, you will be sorted out. That's all that's happened. Then it would all go away. The end. Did you know? Did you notice then that Stu's eyes changed colour as his vaccine jab <laughs> kicked, kicked in, and then Microsoft got a hold of his voice box and started talking on, on his behalf? Then, no, I, no, I, I agree with you both. Those be fair. I mean, this what I've seen is pretty tame in comparison to the pro wrestling Twitter world <sighs> that I often frequent. Um, and it's it's very much it's just like that's you know AEW versus WWE and very much why the, this is why we can't have nice things kind of <laughs> argument mm. is that it is okay. You know, we are very tribalistic at the moment when it comes to online and that it's okay to like two things at the same time. I know it's like, I know it's fun to argue, but you know, it, this reminds me a little bit of, we were talking me and you Andy um, about um, the Cecil hotel documentary <laughs> and <laughs> about internet sleuths and, <laughs> the power that the the internet makes people think that they have this because they can get retweets or likes that actually their opinion is worth anything, which actually in reality it's it's not. And I think that's, we're just seeing that on on a grander scale because people just are able, because this is such in the news at the moment, this film feel that there's an element of power by having a, a louder voice on the internet than somebody else. And I think, this isn't how things should be. And I'm glad that like the, the studio or, or doesn't bow to the pressure of that or doesn't want to acknowledge it and, and, and like serve it. Do you know what I mean? I think that was a wise thing to do. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I fully agree on the social media point. I think it's just, that's the world of thoughts we live in at the minute. And that's, that's what that world's like. And until Stu says it starts getting any kind of regulation, then that's just going to carry on. I just wonder whether the Schneider cut version potentially is going to open the floodgates for fans to put pressure on other studios when they don't like a version of a film they've seen 
especially with particular directors they like, or there's any inkling that they've manipulated it in any way. Yet we get that in a lot of films, but I just wonder if this is the first case where we've seen studios really taking control of a film and they've maybe slightly bowed to some kind of pressure to allow this other version to come out. I mean, you know, J.J. Abrams, I remember reading somewhere, he said he was horrified by the cut of Rise of Skywalker that came out. It makes you think, bloody hell, you know, what, what was the Rise of Skywalker version that he made? Is mm-hmm. it better than the version? Obviously, we, we may not see the light of day of that, but depending on if that was the same ba- fan base that supported J.J. Abrams, would Disney have bowed to a pressure of releasing a, the, the Abrams cut of Skywalker? <laughs> I just wonder whether in the future are studios going to be less um, controlling over the films that they produce depending on who the director is and how much support they have, or are they now going to be more specific about the people they hire because they can have more control and they won't get a backlash if the film's changed to their needs. I mean, this isn't the first time it happened. Well, in, in film it probably is, but remember the Mass Effect 3 thing that happened over that game, which, again, the end of a 300-hour trilogy and the the losers hated the ending of the third game so much they put so much pressure on the... I think it was probably... Is it EA? I'm not sad enough to play them games, but whoever it was, they put so much pressure on them. They went back and patched the ending of the game, and you think, well, it's a, it's your it's your vision, it's someone's vision. It's it's like it's the whole argument of once it's out in the public domain, who owns it? Is it the people or is it the, the visionaries? And it was their game, and they were forced by people to go back and change their own game, which meant rest- there was a restart point put a few hours from the end where you could open your save file from there and see a different ending because people were so pissy online that they got the ending of a a hundred million game pen game changed. Jeez. So, I mean, it has, it's happened in previously. I know like the Superman two film, we eventually after many, many years got the Donna cut. And I think there was like a couple of Ridley Scott films have been recut, some of the old dodgy movies. I think um, Exorcist 3, if I, it was either 2 or 3, got a recut after fan support. So this has happened, but it just doesn't feel like anything has happened quite on this scale before. Yeah, I think it's the money so it does fe- Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it was very much, um, had it not been for HBO Max... I don't think we would have got a fan cut or a director cut purely because HBO Max were trying to push for subscribers. And rather than doing a Netflix and spending, you know, 200 million on making a film to try and push it, they wanted to try and spend as little as possible, but get a blockbuster at the end of it, which is kind of what they've done. So they've spent 70 million on a $400 million movie in the end, or it might be three. I can't remember how much it was. So I feel maybe that had something to do with it. It was very much everything came together at the right time for this movie to come out. If anything good's come out of this whole process is that we might actually see the unknown R-rated cut of Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, the fact that such a version exists is incredible. Get that out. Yeah, I I really want to see that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, um, I think 
we've, I've covered pretty much all the points I've got on my uh, list for this one now, which is quite an extensive list when we started out. It's been a bit of a ride. So I know normally when we do our podcasts, we do the... When we do our picture pods, should I say, we do the good, the bad and the crazy. And then we ask a few questions at the end. So I think we should do that with this and just maybe highlight something that we thought was good. Something that we thought really detracted from the movie. And maybe you even felt was worse than the original. And just something that maybe blew your mind with the movie. Stu, do you want to start us off on that? Yeah, the good. I mean, the good, I mean, we kind of... I went over it at the very start that it was, it was a lot better than the original, and <laughs> it didn't disappoint us like it could have. Been, it could have done. I think it, coming away from a four hours, two minutes long epic like this, if it had been terrible, he would have got absolutely destroyed. Um, and it could have probably he could have ended his career really if he'd have fucked this up that badly. But he didn't, and it mm. was good, and it was enjoyable, and I'll watch it again more than a few times, which is. For the length of it, it's quite amazing. But yeah, I thought the um, the cyborg bit, well, having cyborg in it properly and not just as a a sound bite and uh, just a, a black man on the screen for a bit was uh, was nice. And like we said about Wonder Woman as well, changing her back to her actual character. So for me, the good was fixing what was wrong in the past. The bad was some of this sheer silliness, like the song, the singing Icelandic girls and. <laughs> The um, <laughs> there were just there were things still things. I think Matt kind of hinted at it with the whole Batman being out of place, Batman firing alien weapons. It just seemed weird, but that's just the Justice League mm. altogether. I've I've never got Batman in this like Arrow as well. Them kind of people just be real people and normal people in the fantastical world doesn't really do it for me. So, but mm. that's just a. Critically, that's a personal preference, I suppose. Um, and it's nitpicking because other than that and the ending being there, which is a kind of fuck you, this was my vision and this is what you're not going to get. I would have, like I said earlier, I would have preferred it to end on the boat. And that's yeah. kind of, okay. Ah, okay. Um, kind of like where the, um, where Spider-Man Far From Home ended with his, mm. name, his name being revealed. Maybe that's why they did this. <laughs> um Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the crazy, just the aspect ratio, and then the fact that it didn't matter. I I, yeah. I thought that watching it on my on a on my projector, I'd never watched a a four three film on that before. I thought having bars at the sides is going to be fucking annoying. But after ten minutes, I didn't notice it. It was fine. Mm. I'll tell you what. I thought it added depth to the screen because when you watch it in widescreen, it's I don't know, it just gives you a feel that you can see a bit further afield. Yeah, you were focused. However, but with, with the IMAX ratio, it felt like there was actual depth beyond the character. It took me a few minutes to get used to it, but as soon as I was used to it, I thought, actually, I really like this view. Yeah. But yeah, for me, my good, I really like the fact that they restored the original soundtrack to it. So the fact that it was Junkie XL's music in there. I liked that when you saw Diana come on screen, for example, you had her music there. It reminded you of the characters. I thought that was so much better than the wishy-washy soundtrack that Whedon used that was either like a low hum or hard rock. Like it, it was it was 
too much of one thing or the other, nothing in the middle like this. So I thought the restoring that was a really clever move. I really liked the flash scene where um, when Iris West, when we see her crash her car and you see him turn and run and grab her. And I know I've criticised the slow-mo scenes, but I really like the slow-mo use with Flash. It made sense to show his super speed as slow-mo to us. Like that's a, That was a clever way of doing the two, I think. And the hot dog. And the hot dog, of course. He, he got himself a pocket dog, which I thought was <laughs> class. Um, but I love the fact that when he turned, his shoes exploded because he was moving yeah. so fast. That was good. That's really clever. Um, oh, and also, I liked when he runs faster than the speed of light and you see the world like reversing and coming back as he's going. I, I love that visual. I thought it was really well done. The bad for me is there's just too much exposition. Like it, It's not character depth to just explain their history. Show me their history. I didn't like that. There was just far too much of it. Um, and I think the crazy... I did think of something and it's just completely gone out of my head. <laughs> um, I'll come back to the crazy. Dave, you take over. What's your good, bad and crazy? Uh, okay, so good-wise, I did like Adventure 4. I thought the cyborg origin and giving them a lot more depth was good. Uh, Wonder Woman uh, being her own person and having a lot more empowerment was good. And um, Again, like I mentioned before, so the epilogue, the nightmare epilogue, the Joker, Batman um, dialogue for two couple of minutes. That was I, that was quite hooked in that kind of two, three-minute spell. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought... Letter kind of was able to redeem his Joker character more so for the wider audience than him, you know, more than the critics on that one. Uh, the bad, it, a couple of things really. The the guy who played um, the lab assistant to Cyborg's dad, who I presume at the end of it is some kind of character in the, the DC Atom. world. So, yeah. yeah, it's Ryan Choi, the there second was, Atom. There was times when I watched it, I thought, you don't look like an actor. You don't. You, you don't seem to be an actor. You you seem like a regular person. <laughs> it, it was it was so wooden sometimes. His acting. I was like, who who is this guy? Um, and the other bit was like you mentioned down to the expo- the exposition where there was times where something would happen, and they go, oh look, that's happened. Well, yeah, obviously it's happened because we've just seen that. I'm sure there was a bit when Darkseid appears near the end through that kind of wormhole tunnel. And he appears, and someone goes, "Oh no, Dark Side's here." Well, of course he's here. We can all we can all see he's there. <laughs> that and the crazy bit, which is something I was probably going to ask, was how do we all feel about the hint that um, Lois is pregnant? Superboy. Yeah. The well, it, I think apparently it was originally going to be that he got she got together with Bruce Wayne following the death of Superman was the original plan of the original. Justice League trilogy, which I think would have been a massive misunderstanding of the characters. I think that'd have been a terrible idea. Had it have been that she was going to give birth to Jonathan Kent, the son, yeah, that that would open possibilities. I'd be up for that, but definitely not for the son of Batman coming from Lois Lane. Yeah, there's um, I read a couple of days later, Zack Snyder, you know, one of these many snippets from the film, and he said that the the plan in this universe was. The next film was going to have um, the son was going to be called Bruce Kent, and he was going to be <laughs> the next Superman. Right. Okay. So, but yeah, mm. I, the couple of hints of the one with the, when, when you saw the pregnancy test, I thought, hang on a second, what? Yeah. Here? And there was that very quick throwaway line you would have really missed it when 
um, Martha goes moves back into the house. And yeah, and <laughs> Superman, you know, when when Batman says when Batman says Superman, he bought the bank. And as they're walking off, all, all of a sudden you hear um, Bruce Wayne say, "Oh, congratulations, by the way, to um, Superman." And they just like, seeing that scene goes to something else. I never clocked that. Ah, okay. there we go. Okay. So, yeah. So I just thought that was a bit strange that I'll be setting up a a super baby mm. in the future. Yeah, I've just remembered my crazy. So I liked the fact that it was um, that Zack Snyder basically said fuck you to Warner Brothers. So obviously there was the extending Ray Fisher after all his troubles with them. Um, he they removed all of the comedy that the Warner Brothers studio wanted to put into the film. He took all of that back out, and he took the most derided and hated character of the DCEU, Joker, and gave him a redemption, or at least attempted to. So I think Zack Snyder very much felt like, you fucked me off, I'm going to show you what could have been done. So that was mine. But yeah, so Matt, you're good, bad and crazy, sir. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, so the good, <laughs> like, the, the you know, visually, it was, for me, what I expected. And I thought visually it was, you know, there are amazing, like, the effects were fantastic as we expect. And there was some really good elements to it. And I think that, like I mentioned before, I really enjoyed, I really enjoy Affleck's version of, of Batman. I think it's fan. I think it was really, really good. And I know this is very much a generational thing. Like people like of my age plus or minus three or four years, their Batman will always be Bale. Mm-hmm. Um, or Stu, you put in a face, yours probably isn't the same. It's probably, I don't know, Keaton, is Keaton yours? Is he, is he your Batman? Well, no, it's obviously George Clooney. Don't be silly. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. And his nipples. Um, yeah. Anyway. But, <laughs> but no, I think, um, I think you know, the good for me, I, I really enjoyed Batman in this. I mean, Batman will always be my favourite DC superhero. It's just a shame. The bad isn't he isn't much of a hero in this film. Mm. He's very much... Um, an 85th minute substitute to try and see the game out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He is, yeah. he's, he is Nuno taking off a striker to try and defend the game. And then we That's end up losing a semi-final. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. and, that, and that's for me, that, that was one of the, 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 the biggest um, negative takeaways for me is just, I really hated how Batman came across in this film in comparison. The crazy um, for me is, if I saw this on a tweet online, I think it was that if Batman cared so much and was so invested in 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 Superman and the death of Superman, how did he not know that the mortgage was expiring on the house? <laughs> <laughs> why did he, do you know what I mean? Like why why didn't he just do something sooner? <laughs> Come on, you're meant to be you know you're meant to be feeling incredibly guilty, or you're then meant to be uh, you know you're the that is your superpower. Use your money to some good. You mm-hmm. horrible, mean, stingy man. <laughs> and there, there was the other crazy as well that they somehow managed to um, resurrect Miles Bennett Dyson's character from Terminator 2 and just put him in this film which was uh, playing exactly the same role again I can't even picture who you mean Cyborg's dad Silas oh, of course yes oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I never even clocked that Jesus you, you, Christ, yeah. Now you go watch it again and have that in your mind. It's exactly the yeah. same character. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. 
true. He even sacrifices himself in the film, in both <laughs> of them. <laughs> of course, it is fucking out. Yeah, I never even clocked that. Good point. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, so, did you enjoy the film? I, I think we've bashed it quite a bit. But personally, on the balance of it, I did. It, it's a marked improvement on what we had before. Like, it's not a great movie, which I think a lot of people will argue that it is. It's not that. It, it's just fine. It's better. It's better. That is all I can say. Stu? It's a lot better. It's my... After after Wonder Woman, it's probably number two now for me, out of all of them. Obviously, mm. Wonder Woman 84 can fuck off and never be spoken about again. But I liked 84. No, you like, you, I genuinely think it's fine. World of your own. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, I really enjoyed it. Going away. I mean, I know um, mentioning contributors, Dean said it was his, it, it rivaled Endgame for him, which was a bit much. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'll watch this way more than I'll watch any of the others again. So, what can you say to that, really? Mm, oh, yeah. it's, it's still probably like 8 out of 10. It's, it's nothing more than that. Uh, it's nothing... But it's better than Thor Dark, Dark World. That's the main thing. Mm, yeah, it's not difficult. <laughs> Matt, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was it was it was fine. It was okay. Lukewarm, tepid, satisfactory. You know what I mean? It was mm. is it is those things. It's it's better than not watching something for four hours, I suppose. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's better than sitting than twiddling your thumbs for four hours. I just um an opportunity. I, I I I then again I say an opportunity missed. Again, I refer back to my point at the very, very start of this podcast. You put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pretty pig. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's still a pig underneath. Um, give me tastier bacon. What do I want to say? I don't know. No, it was fine. It, it, it was. It was fine. It was fine. It was okay. Cool, Dave. Uh, yeah, look, like she said, it was a note. It was a quite a notably improvement from the Weeden version. It was. A, it was fine to watch. I got through the four hours, not thinking, "Oh, I'm going to invent it." I've been sitting here for four hours. I was still hooked enough into it to watch it and be intrigued by all the new footage and where it was going, although I knew that I'd seen this film before. Um, yeah, I just thought it was an enjoyable film. It, would I would I want to watch it, go rush out and watch it again if I'd just come away from the cinema to see it? Probably not. Maybe if it appeared on the streaming service for free to watch it, would I give it another go? Maybe, yeah. I just thought, like I say, notable improvement, decentest watch. Cool. So, would Nicolas Cage improve this movie? Of course he would. How good would it have been when Flash and Cyborg went to rob Superman's grave? If they opened it and it was Nick Cage yeah. in there as Superman, like they'd just completely change the character. That'd have been fucking great. Stu, what do you think? I was going to say exactly the same thing, but I was going to say... <laughs> If they opened it up and it was Nick Cage because he's aged, he's aged in the ground in the space of however long it's been, and then they're putting Cage's body back into the Superman ship and it comes back out as Sir Henry Cavill, that would have been class. A nice little nod to us yeah. as well. Um, we could have got plenty of content at that and all. <laughs> yeah, stole my idea again. I think films need to start making. Uh, I think studios need to start making films that appeal specifically to cage fighting listeners. <laughs> <laughs> From now on, it's an untapped market. <laughs> Dave, what do you think? 
I'm all on board for that idea, to be honest. I, I want to see the, uh, the the Nicolas Cage cut now, where they release <laughs> just of that one-minute scene with it as well. I mean, you could have easily filmed something like that and released it as a extra on HBO Max, as a, or just released it on social media as a nice little like um, deleted scene that was never really a deleted scene, if you know what I mean. I'm, yeah. all, I'm all on board for that. Just have that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what about you? I'd have liked to have seen uh, an extra epilogue, 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 epilogue part where when Joker says, I wonder how many uh, alternate universes there are where you've let the world die so because you are too cowardice to die. And it cuts to that exact same scene, but it's just Nick Cage instead. <laughs> it's, an alternate, it's an alternate universe where Nick Cage is the Joker, basically. Oh, but what if it was Nick Cage was the Joker and Nick Cage was Batman as well? Oh, Why not? Or John, Trav- or, or John Travolta was Batman. <laughs> Why not? And then they swap faces. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so gents, the last part of the show, I want you to finish the sentence. If you enjoyed the Zack Snyder's Justice League, you may also like. Matt, give us a recommendation. If you enjoy uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, then you might also enjoy Das Boot, because that is another long, long <laughs> ass film uh, that doesn't really go anywhere. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Stu? Um, I'm going to chicken out and just say Avengers. <laughs> so you can, Avengers Assemble, because it's you'd need something light-hearted after sitting through for four hours of glumness. Yeah, that makes sense. To be fair, Dave. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on shoes. I'm gonna slightly tick it out, but at the same time, I think I'm gonna say if you like that and you want to see a better ensemble cast that try to do what Weezen did and maybe still mix in the um, style of uh, Schneider, just go watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Great film. Great film. Uh, my choice. I'm gonna move away from the superheroes, but I'm gonna go for a film which has got two superheroes in, sort of superheroes. I'm going to go for a film which is starring Ben Affleck and Hawkeye from Avengers, and it's a film called The Town, directed by Ben Affleck. They play a couple of hardened criminals who the law is catching up to them. It's got a bit of an epic feel to it, actually, so a bit similar to this movie. It feels quite grand. And it's also got... Carol Ferris from the Green Lantern universe because Blake Lively is also in the movie. Uh, it's available to stream on Netflix. I've got to say, I think it's a really good movie. So check that one out. So that's us done for another week. It's back to the question cast next week. And we've already started on our questions and it promises to be a good one. So please make sure you join us. Make sure you've got us on the Twitter at Cage Fighting Pod. And if you've seen Justice League and want to tell us what you're thinking, why not drop us an email? Uh, you can write it into us or you can send us an MP3 voice clip and we can put it into the show. It's cagefightingpod at gmail.com. Make sure you've got us subscribed. And if you can share and also give us a review, that would be superb. So, David, thank you very much for joining us this week. It's been a pleasure to have you back on, sir. Thank you very much for having me once again, chaps. It's been absolutely fantastic. So, for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourself. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? I'm real when it's useful. Goodbye. (laughs) Dave, would you like to say goodbye? Bye, everyone. See you another time.
It's goodbye from me, and remember, release that air cut. You know, it's funny. I even talk about people who died in my arms. Because when I held Harley Quinn, and she was bleeding and dying, she begged me with her last breath. Then when I killed you, and make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. Then I do it slow. I'm gonna honor that promise. And maybe this will come in handy. Honor? Really, Bruce? Honor? We live in a society where honor memory. By the way, who do you think screamed the loudest? The girl? Or the boy? <laughs> <laughs>